Hey, it's Jed Hearn, host of Wizards, Warriors, and Words. If you're enjoying the writing advice on this show, you might like my new podcast, The Jed Hearn Show, where every week I share the best fantasy writing advice that I've learned from publishing three fantasy novels and a best-selling video game. There's over 12 episodes that you can listen to right away, including my top 10 fantasy books of all time, how to make fantasy names that don't suck, two rules that make writing effortless, and my complete summaries of Brandon Sanderson's and Neil Gaiman's writing classes, and much more. Check it out by searching for The Jed Hearn Show in your podcast app. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Wizards, Warriors and Words, a fantasy writing advice podcast. I'm Jed Hearn, author of Across the Broken Stars. I am Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy. This is book four. I am Michael R. Fletcher, author of that book right there on my desk. <laughs> Super useful for our listeners. <laughs> hey, that's fun. <laughs> I aim uh... to please. <laughs> I'm Rob J. Hayes, author of the War Eternal trilogy. There's book one. Hey, and we are joined for the third episode in a row by the wonderful RJ Barker. RJ, can you introduce yourself to the audience? Yeah, I'm, I'm RJ Barker, the author of, of the, I forgot what books, the Wounded Kingdom trilogy and the Bone Ships. Um, or the Tide Child trilogy, as I should call it, and have not been calling it the entire thing. I feel like I'm a regular panelist now. So Yeah. <laughs> this is part of the furniture at this stage. So yeah. um, This is how we work. We just we, we start getting more people on, and by the end of this thing, there's going to be like 400 authors all vying yeah. for space. That would actually be kind we of... Don't incredible. let anybody leave. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this, yeah, this entity that just sucks more minds into it, and no one it's leaves. It's like authorial black hole. Um... Anyway, so this particular episode is going to be a little bit different. Uh, we are tentatively calling it the interrogation of RJ Barker. And basically, all of us hosts are just going to be asking RJ uh, a bunch of questions. Um, and this way, we can have a very wide-ranging discussion about, yeah, all of RJ's books, uh, his writing style, um, and why he has such a great collection of hats. <laughs> so who wants to kick this off? Can Go I? for it, Dirk. Um, I putting your hand up. Yeah, I mean, I'm always fascinated by a, writing writing a book, and in particular, a trilogy or a series is a huge commitment, right? Um, some authors spend their entire career writing like one series, you know, like Erickson and Malazan, right? 
I mean, I hope, I hope he's still happy with, with that because, you know, or, you know, I think of Jim Butcher, he's just writing those books, those Dresden books again and again and again and again. Um, so, but, but even with trilogies, it's a, it's a big commitment. And um, I was wondering, RJ, uh, what was it about um, uh, Age, of, Age of Assassins and that trilogy and then Bone Ships? What is it about these stories that make them the thing that you want to commit to for several years, that make you really want to do, as opposed to, you know, all the different things you could do? Um, that, that probably involves a lot more thought than I ever do. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> as Age of Assassins was a, a really weird thing in that I always thought I'd be a science fiction writer. Um, and my first novel that went to market was a science fiction novel and it didn't quite sell. Um, but they said a lot of very nice things about it. And then it was kind of suggested to my agent at the time that, that I might want to write a murder mystery on a moon base or a space station. And I thought, cool. So I started writing that. And then I had, I just had the idea for Age of Assassins. It just popped into my head. In fact, I spoke to an editor called Matilda Imler. And we were talking about our joint love of Agatha Christie. And, mm -hmm. and I think that stuck in my head. And, and I just had this idea for a fantasy murder mystery with an Agatha Christie style end. And it was really insistent. Everything was in my head. And I emailed my agent and said, I'm going to write this. This is what I'm going to do. And he wrote back and said, a first person fantasy murder mystery will have to be really good to sell. And I heard, write a really good book. And what he meant was don't write that book. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we parted ways um, after that. Now he is a, a lovely chap and it was for different reasons really. But, um, and he set me up with my new agent, Ed Wilson. But I, it was so strong. I wrote it in about six weeks. Uh, I just sat and I wrote it. And, and there was a course of steroids involved as well, which was helpful. <laughs> if, if you ever need to write a book quickly, then... Steroids. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it, it just, it worked. And it, it only works in a fantasy setting because the magic is intrinsic to it. Um, and it went to my agent, Ed, and um, he said, yeah, we can sell this. Give me two more. And I was like, oh. Okay, then so I wrote, I didn't really write a process for two more novels. I didn't ever think about a trilogy at the start. I just thought, right, okay. I always knew where Gert and, and Merrilla, his the woman who trains him, were going to end up. So I based the two, like, you do like little half page things to go out to editors with the book on moments in that. Because I wanted to write, when I thought about it, I thought, right, I'd really like to write sort of three ages of man, a, a child, teenager, and adult. And that was how I structured the idea of the trilogy, which is three pivotal moments in his life that are also pivotal in the history of that place. Mm -hmm. And that, that interested me and their relationship interested me. It's always people for me, always people. And, and then the bunch of, I, I love books about the sea. It's absolutely like um, Hornblower, um, Patrick O'Brien's probably one of my favorite authors. I just love Master and Commander with the film, but the books are amazing with them. He, there's a great moment about a sloth in. I don't know if you've read, have you read them, Dirk. I've only read the first three. I read it to my surprise with the sloth in it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't. I don't think I got the sloth one. Damn it! I'll I'll send you a copy of it. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's um. Yes. Yeah, a sloth get a sloth gets debauched um in HMS surprise, but um. 
they're, they're my absolute favorite books. And I wanted to write a fantasy version of Patrick O'Brien's books. And um, in his books, um, they're like 300 pages where nothing happens apart from talking about ships and then two pages of action. And that was how I did it at first. My editor was just like, no, things have to happen. <laughs> if they must. But I think that's why Bone Ships takes a while to get going. It's deliberate, it's a choice. But I don't think I could ever do more than three in any world. Because by the time I get to the third book, I want to do something different. I'm like, oh, I'm bored of this. I want something new. Because I get bored really quick. Cool. At least you get to uh, to three books. I mean, some people keep getting to like two books and then stopping, don't they, Fletcher? Fuck off. There's <laughs> the third Manifest on, Delusions okay. book. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. I, I, I got years yet. <laughs> Sorry, this is a roast of uh, RJ, not, not Fletcher. Yeah, yes, we'll fun. get to Fletcher later. Um, I have a question about your writing routine, RJ. What, do you have any kind of... Um, what's that? that it would be done. What? I I'd, I'd said Rob, if Rob would get off his ass and write your third book, then it would be done. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. What are you writing your next book? Put yourself out, Hayes. Come on. Yes. Well, Rob, anyway. he, did, he did a great job with this. That's because <laughs> I didn't write it. That was Bengali's, like, you know, badges. Ugh. We're going really far down this rabbit hole of yeah, in-jokes. Uh, let's, let's pull ourselves out of this rabbit hole a little bit. Um, RJ, <laughs> do you have any kind of uh, specific writing routine or, or rituals that you use to kind of stay productive or lack thereof? No. Um, no. I, I, write, <laughs> I, sit in, in, I sit there, actually, which you can't actually see because it's a bit messy, um, on the couch, uh, and I write for about two hours a day, which equates to about a thousand to 2000 words, um, Monday to Friday. Um, and then there's a lot of faffing about and being distracted by the internet or I usually have the television on and I watch dramas while I'm doing it. I need to be constantly distracted. Um, but I can really write anywhere. I'm not, once I'm writing it's that's it. That's all it's in. I'm just in that place. It's not a, a thing, but I, I don't let myself, not write anymore because I'm incredibly lazy. So I have to, and I've always find that, I don't know if it's the same for the rest of you, that even if you sit there and think, oh, I can't think of anything. I don't know what I'm going to write, I'm stuck. But if you can write two or 300 words, actually you'll end up writing a lot more than that because you can do that thing. Yes. You just need to make yourself right. do it. I, I disappear down the old uh, social media thing where I start getting myself distracted. I'm like, oh, I can't. And then I'm like just scrolling down social media. But if I just stop myself and go, no, no, just just write something and just start. Yeah, I quite often find like, you know, after the first hundred words, I'm just like, I'm in it then. And then there's another thousand words come out of nowhere. Yeah, just finding that place. Thank but you. I'm kind of, sorry. Uh, RJ, I have a question for you. So how do you find um, switching between writing and reading? Is it, do you, do you find that jarring going from being stuck in your own head, stuck in your own words to like picking up something by someone else and sort of being able to lose yourself in their story and their prose? Um, you know, I, I get the impression you don't do a ton of editing that your, your, your first drafts are pretty good. Yeah. My uh, first drafts are reasonably good, yeah. um, but it's really weird. My first agent said, do, do you, does it ruin write? Does it ruin reading for you? And I was like, no, I, lo I love reading, but I've reached 
a point now, and I think I think you I think hopefully I'll get over it. I'll change. I'm hardly reading old. I'm finding it really difficult to read anything. Um, I think Blood Meridian by Colin McCarthy was the last book that, that absolutely got me. Um, and, and then everything else I, I seem to start and then kind of just fizzle off. But in my defense, because I, I, I mentioned I'm chronically ill in one of the other podcasts that we did a few weeks ago now, because um, I've got a different hat on, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not the same recording session. No, no, no don't worry, they're all fooled. We've got them. Yeah. <laughs> It's a bit worrying that they're all wearing the same clothes above. So we're still pretty savage. I just look this. This is every week. I have a limited amount of energy to to work with, uh, and a lot of the time my choice is write or read, and uh, and I write because because that's what. But I, I'm I'm trying to read. I read a lot of nonfiction, and I I don't read any fantasy because it feels very much like a butterman's holiday at the moment. Um, I read crime a lot. I've just got the new James Lee Burke, who I love, so hopefully that'll, that'll have me in. But yeah, I'm finding writing, reading really hard. It's, it's switching off that bit of my brain that goes, yeah. what would I do? It's not critical. I'm not thinking this isn't good. I, I'm just thinking, what would I do? And it won't stop and I can't settle. And I find just I find it tiring because it's the yeah. same. I'll, I'll be reading and I'll start, I'm deleting words. From, yeah. from sort of overly wordy sentences as I read. I'm like, didn't need that one, didn't need that one, didn't need that one. I'm like, oh, yeah. fuck, this is not fun anymore. It's not pleasurable. Yeah. I'm not enjoying it. I'm trying to make it me. And it's really annoying. And hopefully, but I think it will pass. But um, no, have, you read Blood, have you read Blood Meridian by Cormac? Oh, don't say <laughs> Try Blood Meridian by Cormac McCarthy because it's an astounding. And I need someone to talk to about it because I have this theory. I love that book. Did you? Oh yeah, uh, McCarthy. All the pretty horses, the road. Yeah, he just Those, started the road and I hated it. Uh, oh, uh, and um, no, uh, no the country, country for old men. Yeah, yeah, I've read those four. I hated the road. Absolutely really? hated it. I that loved was, it. The road is the only one I've liked. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna go and read all the others because the others are more westerns, aren't they? I love westerns. Yeah, so, yeah. But, yeah. All the all the pretty horses is just amazing, amazing. Okay, that's my next one, um, so I'll try that. But I'm hoping the new James a bit. And I'm, I've I started reading. Um, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? It's called The Sunken Land Will Rise Again, and that that's a lovely book. But it's one of those books where it's very subtle and not much happens. And maybe I'm I'm not that literary. I'm, I keep thinking what's in the drip blood a bit. Yeah, I know a lot of writers. I mean, writers are split all the way across the board. I know writers who simply will not read because they either fear or know that it will seep into what they're writing right now. Mm. Um, they read in between writing. They'll take some yeah. time off to do some reading and then go write again. Um, I'm one probably more like Rob. I know Rob and I are, are two that, that read all the time. Um, yeah. I, read, I read every day um at night for about well just about every day at night for half an hour to sometimes two and a half hours depending on you know the book and what i but I, but i i'm i have to read i get really anxious if i don't know what my next read is me actually. too um when we finish you? one i've got another one lined up yeah yeah tbr there and it's and like TBR is so insane it's sometimes really hard to choose and I owe, I feel I owe a lot of reads to a lot of people that have read my book. 
So I'm like, Ugh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I have to read. It's um, my writing, I think starts to get stale if I don't, if I don't continue to continue to read. And I never get, it's weird. I, I, I'm not gloating, but I never get writer's block. Sometimes I don't want to write and I don't know exactly how I want to start a chapter perhaps, but like Rob or, uh, says, if I just start writing and just throwing crap down within five minutes, 10 minutes, I'm into it. And then at least I can crank out words. It's really the last, the last thing I read a lot of was um, Robert B. Parker's Spencer book, you know, Spencer for Hire. Mm -hmm. um, and they're, they're detective books and they're really simple and they're basically all the same, but they were like sweets. And I read them while I was writing the bone ship. And I just like, there's 47 of them. And I just went through them all. And that was all I read Oof. obsessively. And that was good because they, they were not any mental work at all, which I quite like. They were nothing like what I was doing. But I do feel like re reading is something that's been stolen from me. I'm quite jealous of people that are reading because I want to be. Really Have you tried audiobooks at all? I've heard that uh, works for some people. You see, I, I've always fallen asleep with the radio on. <laughs> so as soon as I put something on that's voices in my ears, I fall asleep because I've trained myself to do it. So audiobooks, I just miss most of them. I can't focus. If I'm in a car, I could do it on a long trip, but otherwise I just can't. I'm the same as Dirk. It's like I, I, can't, I can't just sit on like a sofa and stick an audiobook on because yeah, I mean, my yeah. mind just drifts off onto something else. But um, I tend to, to listen to them when I'm walking the dog. Mm -hmm. which is perfect because I just I concentrate on the words and, and, and everything and it just helps focus me but yeah I can't just sit still and listen to an audiobook that, that doesn't work maybe we should get a dog here's a, I gotta I definitely get a dog always yeah. that's the answer to everything you've got a birdie you've got birdie you don't need a dog you've got a cat yeah he does come for walks with us as well I know I see the video it's awesome there's a limited distance you can uh, go before he gets upset <laughs> I've got a question. Um, as far as your style of writing um, and even kind of your narrative style, perhaps, um, who do you think you're most like and you try to be, I mean, if, if, it, if it was me, I'd say I try to be as good as, but I can never, I never will. So who do you aspire to write like or do you think influenced your prose style the most? person I would aspire to write like is uh, James Lee Burke, the um, crime author, mm -hmm. um, who's, he, he writes books about, they're books about violence, that's sort of how they always feel to me, and, and, and you know it's coming, uh, and the main character knows it's coming and desperately does not want that, and, but they're, they're also, they're beautiful, they're, they're just worded beautifully in a way that I cannot do. I love to read um, and that, that kind of growing sense of this terrible thing is coming is a thing that I really, really like. That's something I definitely tried to do in the Assassin books. This, this How would you sense. describe his prose style that you like so much? There's something I know quite, it's not easy, but... There's something quite dreamlike about it. It's all based in the deep south of America and in the swamps and, and it kind of makes it feel like a fantasy landscape. It, and it's slightly supernatural. There's, there's always something. I think he's gone very supernatural with his latest one. But the, there's a book called In the Electric Mist with the Confederate Dead, which they made a terrible, terrible film of. Um, and it's one of my favorite books. And he's 
spiked early on in the books and you keep seeing and having conversations with dead confederate soldiers and, and there's this dry lightning and there's no sound just this flashes lightning it's just really hypnotic and strange and that sounds awesome yeah and, and i think in the assassin book especially in the dream sequences i was going for this kind of feel of something off kilter and odd but he's he's an amazing writer and the other one's bernard cornwell i really like his his king arthur books i think it's super. I admit, i've never read any cornwell and i have to his winter king books are brilliant but i, I don't think a lot of people like his Saxon books, but I would say that they're a retread of the Winter King books, but without the, mm, is the magic, isn't there, possibly? That's mm. sort of gone from the, the Saxon ones, but it's the same character, really. But, but his, his King Arthur ones are brilliant. There's, have, have any of you read the Winter King books? No. Nope. We, are, we have failed. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we are a miserable failure lot. I've only read his, uh, is it uh, the Uhtred Chronicle? Well, I've read a few of those. Yeah, they're, they're after, and Uhtred is basically Durfel, who is in the Winter King book. That I'd say the Winter, but the, the Assassin books end with them, end with him saying about his king, um, my brother, my friend. And that's directly stolen from the, it's just a <laughs> nod to, to Bernard Connell's Winter King books. But yeah. Um, all, all, all of Fletcher's best stuff was stolen from me. So. Speaking of Fletcher, actually, it is uh, time to quickly pause for our featured book for this episode. Oh. And uh, I gave you zero warning before this. So let's see what you can I'm pull good. out, Fletcher. I'm good. But it is your all turn. set up. So this is mm -hmm. Children of Time by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Apparently, I didn't write it. I'm kind of upset by that. Uh, this is hands down the best science fiction book I have read in the last decade. It caught me totally off guard. I had no idea. I bought it on a whim because it won an Arthur C. Clarke award and I thought, well, maybe it'll at least be kind of good. Uh, and it fucking blew me away. It is just ridiculously good. It is envy inspiringly good. And if you like science fiction, it's good. I have to, I have to read it. I haven't read any sci-fi in a long time and Adrian really? is such, such a lovely guy too it's He's genuine it's, it's amazing and even worse children have ruined the follow-up yeah it's better yeah it's it, they did i don't like him anymore no yeah. no after yeah. get on uh, yeah the good thing is adrian mentions a, a book called other minds at the beginning of children of ruin which is a book about octopuses and how they think and i put him onto that and according to my agent legally that means i wrote at least half the book well, my lawyers are in touch with him about royalties. <laughs> um, unwilling, strangely, but um, yeah, children. He's, really he's such a such a great guy too, and he'll just he'll just hang out. You would never know that he's like such a huge author if you didn't know. You know, he lives just over there. Does literally. he? Yeah, really? he lives right there in the corner of your room. Just <laughs> <laughs> hiding there, like. In American terms, yeah, it's about half an hour, sort of that way. Wow, yeah, oh, yeah, we meet cool. up quite a lot. Yeah, it's usually Do you? Cool. Oh, awesome. Yeah, man, the connections. I'd like, to, I'd like to be able to talk to him some more. I've only talked to him briefly a few times. I'll so, ask him if he'll do this. He'd probably love it. He's, he's yeah, really yeah, we'll definitely have to. Yeah, look into having him on as a guest. Um, Mike, do you want to just give us like a really quick synopsis of of what Children of Time is about, just if in case people have like no idea. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, no, I don't. Oh, Jesus. Right. Now, yeah. fuck off. Just get the book. 
What? I'm not telling you what it's about. Jesus, we're going to spoon feed you this shit. Go buy are, the book. Fuck off. Are there, are there spiders in that one? Yes. Uh, are okay, there? So there's spiders oh, yeah. in it, and it's really good. It, That's all you know. Sort of like the evolutionary process and how, like, you know, a different species could rise up alongside humanity and um, with a different society, society based upon entirely different values. And mm. also, humans are scum. Yeah, that's actually that's pretty good. Nice work, Rob. I know loads of people that really don't like spiders, but by the end of that book, they're like, I'm team spider. Uh, that's well, what I'm No, sir, I, I hate spiders. Uh, mm. and I, 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 I listened to the entire book, and I still fucking hate spiders. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually more about so a, because uh, it has just about the most or somehow wholesome, yet also horrific ending imaginable, which kind of blew my mind and also made me feel really dirty and horrible and I just, ah! I think what he, does, what he does really cleverly is, is kind of space stuff. You, you're used to it building up to a big space battle and then he circumvents that expectation without it being disappointing. Oh, I love that. Yeah, mm. it's really, really clever. Uh, and the second one for my money, it, I, I'd say he, he went up another level. Do yeah, to check that out. I've definitely heard a lot of good things about it. So yeah, we'll definitely be putting that on the reading list. Um, yes. Look how this is an RJ episode and we've, we've yeah. spent more time about overall. Yeah, I was just going to say, let's get back to, we have about five minutes before uh, the recording question, anyway, um, Go for it, Rob. I, I, I absolutely loved your Wounded uh, Kingdom series, to be honest. I thought it was fantastic. I describe uh, the first book as uh, it's, a, it's a murder mystery from the perspective of uh, the assassin without a murder. <laughs> It's brilliant. Um, but the, you do some really interesting things in it, uh, along with sort of like the formatting and everything. Um, I mean, you use things like like sentence fragments and, and, and other things, but you also have like sections where the, the, the actual formatting, you get like a couple of words on one line and then you'll skip a line and you'll have, you'll have an entire sentence and you'll skip a line, you'll have another word. Uh, and it gives it a very sort of disjointed... Yeah mysterious feel and i wonder did you have to fight to keep those sections formatted as they are yes yes and no it was okay in the first one when i did it a little bit and it was okay in the second one when i did it a little bit more and orbit were, were never anything but supportive about it um in the third one it's actually not right because we just couldn't typeset it the way I wanted it to be typeset. It just seemed to be impossible. Um, there's some stuff that's, that's right in it. There's, um, I'm trying not to give it away for the readers. Um, there's where it, it's kind of justified left and right and center um, while you experience three characters' point of view at the same time. Um, and, but there's another bit where, where Gurton is, he's hearing four voices at the same time and they're split across the page and they're kind of giving him prophecy. And it was meant to just be quite confusing and leave you quite confused and with the kind of feeling of what they'd said, but not quite sure, which it does, I think. I think that's still there um, and that's fine. But there is a version of it where if you read down the page under the names of the four people speaking, you got four different prophecies that told you what would happen in the rest of the book. Um, and it just couldn't be done. It just wouldn't typeset, no matter what they tried. Um, I, we did everything. I was just like supplying versions that were color coded with where I wanted the text to go. 
but it just didn't work. I was absolutely gutted. It was just like, I couldn't look at the book for like six months afterwards. I was like, oh, it's not what I want it to be. But it doesn't matter to the reader because the reader doesn't know that. And they get what I wanted, which is this sense of confusion from it. But I just thought it would have been a nice, one day I'm going to put it on my website so you can see my, my version of it. This is how it's meant to be. Yeah. Authors prefer well, to find out It's not nearly as clever as I thought it was at the time. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any but other yeah. questions before um, we wrap this one up? Oh, I, I just blew my question. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> Add the one. Spent. Sweet. Uh, yeah, Dirk. No, I, I was just going to say, um, we, we, we've had many, many conversations on Twitter about antlers. And uh, I was going to just ask, where, where does your, your, your interest, I'll just use the word interest in antlers, come from? Um, are you aware of 2000 AD? Yeah, the comic. Um, there was a, a thing in that called Slain, um, and in Slain there is the Droon Lord Weird Slough Fag, and he, I can see a picture of one of his Droon Lords, who were like his servants, um, on a horse with a mask on that has a massive pair of antlers coming out of it. Uh, and whenever I close my eyes, I see that picture. I, I <laughs> just have seen it. I was obsessed with it, and. Um, Robin of Sherwood, that had um, Herne the Hunter who would appear out, out the woods in, in some big antlered headdress. And, mm. and I think those two things just stuck in my head. And, and there's also something about the antler itself as, a, as kind of a symbolic thing of renewal, and because it falls off, it comes back. Yeah. Yep. Sheds and sloughs, yeah. Yeah. And then it comes back bigger. And I like that kind of, it comes back bigger and better. It's gone and then it comes back and I, I like that. And there's just something really beautiful about, and, and they're not horns, they're antlers. I love and, that. And, yeah, and, and, and they, they're good shapes, all these interesting shapes you get. So I think I always, I don't realize how much nature plays a part in my books, but I, I must be slightly more obsessed with it than I think I am. Because it is definitely a big part of what I do, especially the next thing, which I can't mention. Ooh, well, that is a, uh, an intriguing note to end us on. Um, RJ, thank you so much for joining us for these last three episodes. It's been a blast yeah, meeting you. with you. Yeah, it's Nicole, been lovely. Well, I don't think I've met Michael before either. I've, I've, no. vaguely, I've spoken to you on the internet. But I've never actually spoken to Michael before. No. Great it's stuff. Just, yeah. Your brother met Matt. Kind of disappointing, wasn't it? No. <laughs> 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 on that savage note. <laughs> Um, we are going to run out of recording in any second now so yeah thank you so much everyone for listening again send in your questions thoughts thank you, to us. Thank you RJ for joining us see you, everybody thank you. Bye -bye. thank you for listening to Wizards Warriors and Words we hope you learned something useful we love hearing from our listeners our email is wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com which you can also find in the show notes I personally read and respond to every email so feel free to let us know what you thought about this episode We'd also love to hear your questions. Send in a question via that email, wizardswarriorswords at gmail.com, and we might even answer it on the show. If you haven't already, please subscribe and write a review on Apple Podcasts. This helps more people discover the show. Wizards, Warriors, and Words is jointly hosted by Dirk Ashton, Michael R. Fletcher, Rob J. Hayes, and Jed Hearn. Our music comes from Michael R. Fletcher, and our artwork is by Felix Ortiz. Thank you again for listening.
Now go and write extraordinary stories. We'll see you next time. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 